Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I'm Claudio Relsano. And I'm Steve Mancini. And we appreciate all of you tuning in. Today's topic... Steve is uh, dealing with uncomfortable situations. I think that's something everything we talk about, everybody has dealt with, whether it's uh, something negative or, or, or funnels of income. That's why we pick these topics and we try to have impact on all of our listeners. But um, Steve, let's just start off with you. Uh, how do you deal with uncomfortable situations? So that's actually a very good question. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it depends on what part of my life we're talking about. Mm. And, and I'll tell you why. When I was younger, I ran from them. And, and the truth of the matter is there's many things I didn't do younger in life, to be very blunt, because I was afraid to do things. And so rather than... Afraid to fail or afraid to do them just... I think a little of both. I think part of it... it well, public speaking is, the, is one of the number one fears people mm. have, is public speaking. There was a time when I would have been nervous to get in front of an audience and probably would have chosen not to do it if I didn't have to do it. As an example, there are other things. I'm just giving that as an example. Now I won't bat an eye at it. If you said, <laughs> come to a conference, be a keynote speaker, do this. What do you want me to talk about? Got it. It's easy. Done it a thousand times. But that's the whole repetition. So, but we always have difficult things. So in younger days... I would say I personally ran from them. And then I think it was just confidence. And that's really what this comes down to. You're not going to not have moments where you're not afraid of something. The question is, do you feel confident in yourself, uh, you know, enough in yourself that you're willing to even try it? And, you know, even though you might fail, you say, you know, I'm still going to try it, though because I still think this is important or I have to do it. I don't have an option. And so now, but now I've gotten to the point in my life, I'm like, who am I? What do I care if, you know, if I get up there and, and screw up? I mean, I got nothing to prove to, to, the, you know, to the audience, to anyone. So I think the way I deal with it now is I just kind of tell myself, so what if you fail? You know what? So what if you fail? What, is it the end of the world? I mean, who hasn't fallen? I'm gonna, I'll give you one good, fun sports example. Because it just happened. I was watching the game the other night. I watched a hockey game the other night. And the defenseman turns to spin. This happens a lot. If you are played ice hockey, everybody bites it. You transition forward backwards. You catch it. You know, you catch it, the back of the boot. You're down. You're on your butt and you're up. Now, this is a professional NHL player. You see him. He takes a spill in the ice, pops right up, keeps going. All right. Everybody knows you fall. But I can tell you, when I was first learning how to ice skate, I was like afraid to take transitions because I didn't want to fall. People are looking, you know, they're going to laugh at you. Now I'm like, what was I afraid of? Because <laughs> right. now you're seeing professional guys that make millions of dollars still fall. So the point being is everybody fails. Everybody falls. The difference is, are you trying? And when it happens, not if it happens, but when it happens, do you just pop right back up? And I thought that that was like the perfect kind of just representation of what do you do well, an uncomfortable situation. One, you go for it, so you transition forward to backwards, and if you bite it and you spill and you fall on your, your, you know, your backside, you pop right up and you keep going. 
And if you're in certain cities, yes, they will laugh at you and probably throw some stuff on the ice, but it will pass. That memory will fade. Those people will forget and they'll move on. And I think, uh, so what I do now is very different to your question is very different what I would have done 40, 30 years ago. While you were saying that story, a couple of things came to mind. Tug McGraw, the former Uh-oh. Philadelphia Phillies reliever, he was going to be, he was at the Three River Stadium. He was going to be fa- coming into the game to face Willie Stargell with the bases loaded. And of course, he was all worked up, right? And then he said to himself, wait a minute, if I give up a grand slam, who's going to care in 150 years? Nobody's going to care. And he felt better about it. He still gave up the grand slam, <laughs> but he felt better about it. Then John Wayne had a quote, courage is. Uh, being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. So it isn't like somebody is absent of fear. Of course, you're going to be afraid, but you go after it anyway. Boo Boo Mancini, one time he was uh, before a fight, he was looking in the mirror and somebody in his corner said, Ray, why are you staring at the mirror? He said, because I know I'm never going to look this way again. He knew he was going to get hit, and and he went up anyway, you know. But but a couple other quotes that I try to live by, and it helps me because we we all have to go through uncomfortable situations, um, whether it's going to see a doctor or going to to court for something or whatever the case is. Johnny Bench, and it was something that you said, confidence. He, I won't give the whole quote, but he said, you know, how do you get over feeling uncomfortable. He said, by doing something over and over again and being confident about it. And, he, and I love this finishing line, be bigger than the situation. I like that. Be bigger than the situation. And Al Davis, the promoter of the Oakland Raiders, he said, dominate the, situ- the situation. Don't let it dominate you. And I think we all go into something fearful, you know, something that's uncomfortable for us and be it a job interview or um, you know, like a court case or a doctor's visit or something like that, and you're, and you're worried about it, but you dominate that situation. You Like I remember when my mom was sick uh, 35 years ago, it was not fun going to the doctors and to see what was going on, and of course things didn't work out. But I do remember how it happened and how I, I like I tell my team, I turned it up. It was uh, not done some kind of a tough guy, but I got tough and I dealt with it, and it was hard. You cry, you know, you're upset and and you're mad, but damn it, you deal with it anyway. You have to. If not, it it beats you down. And you know what? You just said there's two parts to that. Because one, going to athletes, and again, it's not about athletes, but I do think there are a lot of life set lessons in sports. Oh, sure. But, But you know what? A lot of those guys, they repeat motions over and over the throw, the kick. You know, the, the, the skating, the stride, everything, it's, it's over. It's repetition. It's muscle memory. It's the same way in military training. You train over and over and over, and they always say, don't forget your training. Don't forget your training. Why? Because when you get to that moment where there's just, you know, those are my two term like fog of war or something. So you get to this chaotic moment, to your point now, the unknown creates fear. Now I want muscle memory to kick in. So in some cases, if I could just push myself past the fear, let the muscle memory kick in, and I will go through it. A good example is, you know, a kicker. You know, it's got the game on the line. You know, it's a Super Bowl. They're down by two points. It's a 42. No, maybe it's a 32-yard field. It should be a chip shot. You think that guy's not thinking, oh, crap, if I miss this week. I mean, I, some of them don't. Some of them have learned, like, eh, you know, put it you know, put it in your ice. You got ice in his veins. You, know, you don't know what they're really thinking. They can tell you, like, oh, no, I had it all along. You don't know what they're thinking, but it's the muscle memory. Now, to your point, some difficult situations, 
There is no way to train for it. You know, you're told your mom's sick and you've got to go face her. You've got to go face the doctor. That's a difficult situation. You, it's not like you can practice. Okay, here's what we're going to do today, kids. We're going to practice like mommy's sick and we're going to work that over the next 20 years so that when she's sick, we're going to be ready for it. Like, nobody does that. So now you come into a situation where you can't train or practice for it. But there is something in you that can be prepared for that moment. And, you know, I'm just kind of, yeah. you know, that's something, you know, we, you and I have talked about just working with folks and, uh, and working, you know, to kind of help folks or saying, listen, we're having trouble here, we're having an issue here, or we need somebody to help us with this. And sometimes it's not as simple as reading off of, you know, a training sheet. Now I need somebody to come in there and work with me, you know, because I hate to say it like this, maybe it's an emotional training. Maybe it's an intellectual, I gotta, I gotta, you know, this is one thing I love to say, people don't know how to think anymore. Maybe we're gonna work with you on how to think because you're gonna be faced with these difficult situations where there's not always a nice, easy, just follow the playbook. Remember your training. Just keep kicking the ball exactly to Sanger when the wind's this way. When it's this way, do this. You know, so there are ways to prepare for things that don't necessarily have a script. Bunch of things from what you just said. And I don't mean this in a bad way by no means. One time I was I was in a waiting room and I was talking to a clergyman and and you know, things weren't going well with my dad because he, he got sick as well. And I just reached out to this guy. And every answer was, and forgive me for not, you know, Corinthians this and three, four. I, I wanted more than just that. Now, I've been, I gave you some quotes here, but they were from the heart up, not the neck up. So it isn't like this. And that's something you and I will not do, you know, because we're going to get to this a little bit later on in the show. And, and the other thing, too, um, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but if, uh, in May— there was an incident. I'll, I'll, I'll get to this more personally if we talk one-on-one. But uh, there was an incident that um, I handled really, really, really well. And my, my daughter was, uh, I, you know what? The hell with it. I'll, I'll see what <laughs> I was waiting for my daughter. It was 11 o'clock at night. We were at Pitt. And uh, I'm waiting for her. I sent her a text. It was 11.08. Are, are you coming out or what? She said, yeah, the meeting's almost over, 11 p.m. Then all of a sudden, I see a policeman flying to Hillman Pit Corner building. Then I see a, a car, a cop car, flying and hitting the uh, speed bump, jumping like they do in the movies, flying over. And I said, what the hell's going on here, right? Then all of a sudden, I hear gunshots. My daughter's in the next building. Now, I'm just telling you what happened. Now, you judge, don't judge, like guns, don't like guns, whatever. That's not the point here. We're not political at all. I have a gun permit. I've, I can see it. I know what I had on. I had my blue and white sweatshirt, and I removed my phone from my right hip to my left hip, and I got my gun, put it in my right hip. Now, you say, what would you have done? I don't know, but I'm not going to let my daughter, right. you know, what would you have done, the listener? Just wait. I, I don't know what I would have done. But I very calmly did it. My daughter called me. She said, did you hear the gunshots? I did. I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, Daddy. I said, well, meet me at the cathedral. She said, no, we can't. We have to go to the left. I said, okay. Very calmly, both of us, I'll meet you where the O's was. She said, well, and then she, I said, you know, how about going to Fifth Avenue? She said, very calmly, yes, okay, Daddy. Now, we didn't know what was going on. Right. It was her four shots. Then all these kids are running all over the place screaming, which is obviously, <laughs> what else you got? But I heard my daughter telling people, go down the steps, make a le- left. Go down the steps, make a left. Now, 
thankfully, I, I, went, I ran to my car, met her on Fifth Avenue, boom, took off, everything was good. It was a false alarm. The police shot, I believe, the lock to get into the door. But oh, you don't know that. Right. But my whole point is, I didn't panic. Now, after we were on the road on 279 going home, then we said, holy. The adrenaline. Then, yeah, yeah. That's but right. We, but we handled it properly. And uh, or even on a, a, something that I, I try to do in life, you, you try to compare things. And, you know, let's say you have an uncomfortable situation coming up. OK, so I look back in my mental notebook when I had to take my mom to chemotherapy or when my mom was in a coma and I had to kind of take care of her, how hard that was. Or when my mom passed or when my dad passed or when I you compare situations of, of now and going back and you put things in perspective and you say, oh, okay, that was hard and it sucked and I hated it, but somehow I got through. Whatever it is I'm going through now is nothing compared to that. And then you start saying, what's the worst thing that can happen? I know it's all cliche and quotes, and all, but really that that's what you do because all of us unfortunately have to go through some damn thing. Why? Don't ask me why. I don't know why. Um, but that's kind of how I deal with things. I look back and I say, okay, how did I deal with this at the time? And then another thing is don't overthink. Because right. then you the put moment. all kind yeah. of things in your head, you know. Um, we, I mean, Well, that's the coulda, woulda, shoulda. You mean during or after? No, I'm oh. talking about like right now. Oh, right. Let's just say we're talking here and our producer, Joe Hill, looks at me, just stares at me. I say, man, is he going to throw something? Is he gonna? And I can convince. Joe's a great guy. Probably. But Joe's a wonderful guy. But I can convince myself that at the end of this thing, he might try to cut me. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's I not going to happen, right? So I, I tell my friends, I tell, don't think about, you know, you're thinking about what could happen. Can Joe just throw these scissors at me? Sure he can. He's not going to. What are the odds? Right. But uncomfortable situations, sometimes we make things worse than they are. Well, I would say that's exactly right. You know, there's a probability. Of a Ow, Joe, he threw damn scissors <laughs> at me. He really did throw scissors at me. I was kidding. Well, no, but that's the probability versus possibility. And, you know, what is it probable? Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. But this is, goes back into a deeper question of planning. So when you plan, you can't possibly you, – you could play the – I can build a plan for every possible scenario, yeah. okay? But what are the probable scenarios? That's what I want to plan for because the more, more probable that the scenario is, okay, now I could come up with some kind of, okay, be ready for it – whatever it is, and then it comes down to a planning exercise, you know, the lessons learned, that after action piece, change my plan, and then it's kind of a rinse, wash, repeat cycle. Fran Tarkin said before a game, he would sit in his hotel room by himself, close his eyes, and literally third and four right hash mark, Joe Green's coming at me to my right. What do I do? This way, when it happened, he knew what to do. A lot of good that did him. Yeah, a lot of good that did. But at least he knew it was coming. But, you know, I mentioned... Uh, How come he kept getting sacked in his dream? And, and, in, and for real, Herm Edwards, who uh, was a college football coach, uh, NFL head coach, he's on ESPN. And I remember, I always said this, if I had a son play college football, there was one coach I'd send him to, and that's Herm Edwards. But... He, his, he was very close with his father, and his father, I believe, was killed in a car accident. He said, when that happened, nothing else will ever shake me again. I mean, he was fired from Arizona State, some backstabbing going on. It, nothing was as bad as that. And, you know, so we compare things that have happened to us in the past. doesn't mean that what we're going through, um, like, like with me, is, is, there's a thing coming up here in the next couple of days that I'm very uncomfortable with. 
very uncomfortable with. And I have to take somebody to, to by the time this airs, it'll be done with. I don't know. Joe's pretty quick about turning these around. Yeah, well, quicker than the I, I justice into, system, Clyde. Yeah, I won't go into too much detail, and 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 I and I, I just don't want to do this, you know. And um, but I say, you know what? If I win, terrific. If I don't, what the hell? I I just I, I like these people too, to be honest with you. But it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. I mean, who the hell? I knew I do know some people who do like going to court. That's another story. I don't like they're it. Called lawyers. No, well, no. no I'm talking about just, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, of course. But I don't want to do that. I, there's an author that I read all the time. He's um, matter of fact, he went to CMU years ago. His name is uh, James Altucher. Very insightful guy. But he said, "I want to live a gentle life. Nothing. I don't want anything that's going to bother me." And, and I like that, and I try to live a gentle life. But sometimes these things happen. But you know, and, and then you talk about speaking. Um, I remember it wasn't the first speech I ever gave, but it was one of the first ones, and it was in Swickley where I live at a seniors club. Every single one of those guys I knew since I was a kid, and man, was that hard because they still look at me, you know, Claudio, little. What are you going to tell me? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was hard, but I got through that, and we're even like doing these shows. You and I can. I'm not bragging about. It, we can do it half asleep, and sometimes I have um, people like who know to, me. Uh, affirm that. Yeah, and, but but some people, you know, like one time my wife, we did a, a show. It was a TV show, and um, somebody called in. She was part of the show, and they asked her. And this was years and years ago. They said there was such a a great group of people running for this political office. And my wife's answer was, yeah. Claudio, she just, now she's a teacher. She, she's in front of her students. She's fine. Was she's that an a, indictment on the people running for office or was no, she just nervous? she just, just nervous? didn't want to oh. do it, yeah. But some people have said what's number one fear in speaking is over death. Yeah. Which is Because if you're dead, you don't know. Hey, yeah, dead, I guess. By the way, I'm going to go to that one because I'm going to tell you right now, it took me years. This is a real thing. A fear of death is a real thing. And the irony was. The fear of death? Fear of dying. Oh, sure. Hell but yeah. I mean, the, the, the funny thing, when I, it's like my dad said to me, he's like, well, what do you care? You'll be dead. And I'm like, it's easy to say that. And he's not wrong. And I've kind of learned to adopt that. But the funny thing is, it's like, recently I was thinking about this. There's three options that are going to happen when you die. Either the lights go out and nothing. There's, you're going to die and you're gonna, maybe you're going to go to heaven if you were a good person. Or you're going to die and go to hell. Realistically, what else is going to happen when you die? you got three options. Either nothing or there's a God and you're going to be judged and you're going up or down. So what what am I afraid of other than going down the elevator yeah. after I die? And believe me, I'm an ex-Navy guy. I'm afraid of going down the elevator. Nah. You know, I don't that, know. I was that, overseas for a points. long time, buddy. <laughs> a couple things when you said that. Lee Trevino, the Hall of Fame golfer, when he got struck by lightning, I want to say 71, 72, he said he, he saw that side, heaven, and he said it was good. I'm not afraid of dying. I don't want to die, but right. I'm okay. You know, and he saw, I saw management. I saw everything, right? That was hell. No, oh. he was good. Oh, no, no, good no, no, management. No, no. I thought you meant he saw his management. No, no, was he was good. He was, okay. It was heaven, and he said it was good. And then I, I told you a, a story, and not to get into another thing, I'm just telling you what happened. And my dad passed in February, uh, February 19th, 2004. I tried the dream of my dad. Didn't until January 19th of 2005. Without going into detail, because I don't want, but but I dreamt of him, and he was mad at two relatives of mine, very mad. And I could see him, Steve, like I could see you. He had a Foxwoods casino hat on. 
blue nylon jacket and his and his green casual pants. And he was mad. And we he, thought we got wings. No, no, yeah, no. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I didn't see wings. I'm telling you what I saw, and I'm not nuts at least for the most part. And he kept saying these two people's names, and his teeth were clenched, his jaw was clenched. And he said, "Damn," you know. He mentioned their names. Damn. Said, now, was there anything that made you think about them? Or no, him? I'm gonna get to that. Great question. And I said, "Dad, what about them? What about them?" He said, "Damn it, damn it." He kept saying, "Damn it." I said, "What?" I wake up. It was seven thirty-eight. And my wife, it was Martin Luther King Day. My, my wife was off of school that day. And what's the matter? I said, I dreamt of my dad. Wait a minute. You slept until 730. I, I know, really. I, that's <laughs> never the case. Never the case. So I, I said, I dreamt of my dad. And he was mad at these two people. And my, my wife, very flippant, said, he's always mad at them. I said, yeah, but this was different. I was with the one person the day before at dinner. And the other person I was on the phone with two days before, nothing. Five hours later. Five hours later, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who's an attorney. He said, Claudia, they're coming after you. Who? And he told me it was those two people. You want to talk about a shot going through you. They were calling it, long story short, they were coming after me. They got nothing. Wait, your dad, but your dream came after the lawyer? No, 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 no. My, my dad, I dreamt of my dad around 7.30 and woke up at 7.38 in the morning. Five hours later, I got a phone call oh, from my attorney. Okay. My so dad was, was warning the, me. Oh, I got it. So you, so you said you're either dying, the lights go out, or you got, you're still, in my opinion, you know, again, there was no reason for me to think those right. people were going to come get me. And they, they tried. Now, nothing came out of it, thank God. Never spoke to them again. An aching tooth is better out than in. Good riddance. But my dad warned me. My dad warned me. So, but again, now, having said that, when I thought there was going to be a meeting to, with a mediator, you want to talk about uncomfortable. I, I loved these two people. Apparently, they didn't love me too damn much. But I lo- and I did not want to go meet with them. Now, people are going to say, boy, Claudio was in court a lot. No, that was in 2000. <laughs> that was in 2005. I wasn't going to And it hasn't been any he's court He's got things. bad teeth, and he's in court. No, I have great like... teeth. What the hell are you going to give these people the wrong? I have great teeth. I don't know where the teeth came from. Well, you say you're going to rip the tooth out. The oh, no, no, an aching tooth I, I, I is better out than in. Anyway, <laughs> I have nice teeth, everybody. Uh, everything's pretty good. All three but, of them. You're great. Man. Yeah, right. All three of them are good. So, but you want to talk about uncomfortable. Having to go to a mediator with, against two relatives, boy, it was uncomfortable. But then I just said, the hell with it. And now it never did have to go to a mediator because I was proven right anyway prior. But it was uncomfortable. I had to deal with it. And, um, you know, so I've been through some uncomfortable situations. So how do you get through it? It's almost like I don't like roller coasters. I don't like anything that does that kind of stuff. Life's a roller coaster. But there's that one ride at Kennywood, the Pittsburgh Plunge. Now, it's nothing for most people. But for me, I'm not too crazy about it. On that way down, you know what I say to myself every single time? Bring it on. You know, F it. Go, go, let's go down. And that's just me. Let's go. You, you want to fight? When's the last time fight. you rode that? Because I don't think I've ever ridden that. Uh, I haven't when ridden I had all my teeth. <laughs> uh, them, no. um, I, I haven't rode a roller coaster in years. That thing a couple years ago with my wife and daughter. I cannot remember the last time I rode a yeah, roller coaster. But, but that, that was my attitude. Okay. You know, it's like if you I always say, well, I guess i got to trust my engineers. Um, when you're on a roller coaster, oh, you got to just oh, trust yeah. the engineer. Well, they, uh, yeah, I guess. What else are you going to do? Right. But, but I just, it's that mentality, you know, because it's almost like this too, something. And that's what life is, playing games where you had Sylvester Stallone the day before, or the morning of, going to tape Rocky. And they said, I'll never forget this as long as I live. They said, so I have it on my phone written. He said, 
they said, Sylvester, are you ready for this? It was like four in the morning, freezing in Philadelphia. You know, he, he had to go begin taping of the show. And he said to himself, or maybe he said it to those people, Sylvester's not, but Rocky is, right? And for me, for me, everybody who's known me since I was a kid, they call me Claude. That's what my dad used to call me, among other things. But they call me, he called me Claude. So when somebody says to me, are you ready for something uncomfortable? I say, Claude isn't, but Claudio is. And then I go at it. And even this thing that I have to and deal with this week. you the raw eggs, and there we go. Well, yeah, but even this thing i got to go through this week, <laughs> just saying that kind of helped me. So that's what you have to do in life. You have to just say, F it, and go after it. And, uh, and, and most of the time, I would say that things are going to go in your favor. And I'll say this. What do they say? Uh, this too shall pass. Whatever that's it right. is, this too well, shall pass. Well, that's funny you say that because at the end of the day, the day is going to end. Whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable or not, the day is going to end. And there's nothing you can do about that. So you might as well just ride it out. It doesn't make it any easier. But I think all of us have, you know, a, not, a, not a dual personality, but there's somebody. For example, I, I tell my, my daughter, or even me, for example, um, my daughter came to one of my games years ago. She said, Daddy, you're different with me. Well, yeah, I'm different with you. I'm different as a father. I can be Claudio the father, Claudio the husband, Claudio the friend. But then it has to be Claudio the coach. And there's a different, you know, there's Joe Hill, the good guy at home with his oh. dog and all that. Then there's but then there's Joe a producer. Hill, the engineer producer. Right. He has to be a little bit different. So mm. we ha- And obviously you have to have a dial in you. You have to have a dial. When it's hot out, you wear shorts. When it's cold out, you wear uh, pants. You just can't be. And my daughter, we named her after my mom. We use Italian pronunciation, either. So one time I told her, she was, uh, I think, third grade. I said, look, when you're here in the house, you can be either. You can be the nice little girl either. But when you go outside, you're Ida. And you have to be tough when you have to be tough. Because if not, people will walk on you. So I think we have to dial, have to have a dial in us. And as I said, well, Stallone, Sylvester's not ready, but Rocky is. Claude's not ready, but Claudio is. I like that. I don't have another alter ego that I can be ready, so I just have well, to be no, ready. Well, no, no, you do. There's Steve Mancini. <laughs> and there's Stavro Mancini. <laughs> Mancini. Right, right, right. That's right. In case you folks missed it, you can catch us live or, at ItalianImpactWeekly.com. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Jerry Cooney, our, our guest on the show. Jerry is the nicest guy. You know, he's a big. He's right. really literally the big teddy bear. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't go, put. Yeah. Go look at that Ken Norton fight. Now you talk about scare. They always ask Jerry. What did you think about that? He said, I thought his exact words were, I thought it was going to be a long-ass night. Because Ken Norton was, a, he's a banger. Right. Look at him. Just look. If you don't know who Ken Norton is, go look at his image on, on Google. And go look at his record. You know, he, look who he beat, right? And Cooney was a young guy climbing the ladder. Ken was who he was. And Jerry knocked him out in 40, 54 seconds. And... If you see the video, you want to talk about violence. But Jerry had to turn it up, and he had to be, you know, Jerry Cooney, the boxer. You know, that's what we all have to do. There's Jerry Cooney, the good guy who's on the show and joking around and or a- very affable, the big teddy bear. Yeah, can't. George Foreman. George yeah, Foreman. You, you talk to him. <clears throat> or, uh, you know, he's talking about eating cheeseburgers. Two seconds later, you know, he's ready to knock your head off. Vinny Pazienza, who I, I love Vinny, and as close with him as you can possibly be. In the ring, different 
different story. And he, he can't be Mr. Nice Guy. Right. You know, and that's just the way it is. You know, it's funny because that's, that's when you talk to a lot of these guys. You know, I'll flip it a little bit. It's like these businessmen, you know, they got to do what they got to do. You know, people say, oh, how can you do that? It's like, it's business, it's sports, it's, co- it's competition at the end of the day, and you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's an unfortunate reality because people think, well, can't we all just get along? Well, it's like, eh. Competition is such that, look, it doesn't have to be a hard loser. You know, like somebody doesn't have to lose. Well, more like in business. But, I mean, there are ways that everyone can win from something right. like this. Sure. But but somebody is going to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the right word is, but, but somebody is going to be the dominant one. Maybe you both win, but somebody comes out ahead, mm-hmm. you know, in some regard. It's like, like sports is a little different. So there's a win, there's a loss. You know, there's somebody got a better score than you. That's it. But business is a little different than that. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if we're going to do a negotiation, <laughs> I'm not here to lose money. Now, if you make money, great. But I'm going in here to make money. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try and, for lack of a better term, put it in sport, you know, boxing and edge. I'm coming to knock you out. Sure. I would like to not have to knock you out to make <laughs> money, but, you know. And that's something that, you know, Steve and I have talked about, about helping people th- with our stories. Matter of fact, we came up with this topic seconds before the show. And because we have the kind of the Rolodex in our head of all, all the things that we've gone through, and we don't need a script. We have zero script in front of us. We may take a note here or there, but we want to help people out there because we're not going to be fake. We're not going to say, well, step number one. To, no, we're going to give you real life stories as we have on this show to, to help you. So that's something that we would like to do, like a coaching business, if that's what you want to call it. And we're also available for speaking and uh, we're all kind of stuff. So that's something that we want to have impact on people. And um, so connect with us. Absolutely. And again, I've done, Claudia and I have done a lot of speaking engagements, worked with a lot of folks, um, you know, done some consulting stuff for sure because you know, anytime you're working with somebody and you're advising them, you're a de facto consultant. So this yeah. is these are just the realities of what we've been doing for decades. So we're hoping, you know, that if you're out there and you're listening and you're saying, you know what, I we we would we have an event coming up and you know it's kind of a little bit flat these last few years. We'd like to get something a little newer, a little fresh, a little more exciting, a little more entertaining at the same time. Again, it's been our our whole motto has been informative but entertaining, not put you to sleep. You know, it's not and it's not. The same old, um, you know, cliche, uh, what do they call those positive speakers that come in there and they go, oh, everybody's going to, you know, yeah. like, no, it's not, it's not like that. Again, this is, we're guys that are working with folks to, you know, improve, improve people as people. Because the one thing that uh, you'll get, if you go back and listen to some of our interviews with some of our previous guests, both on this show and uh, Italian Impact Weekly or on Claudio's show, what you find one of the common themes that runs through a lot of successful people is, you know, it's a work ethic, it's good decisions, you know, and it's the right attitude. And, and, you know, I always throw in, hey, it does take a little bit of life, but it's not, or luck, excuse me, but it's not limited to luck because you could be lucky, but if you make stupid decisions, you're not going to come out ahead. So, you know, again, we're out here, we've been doing this a long time. Listen to the shows, listen to the people we're talking to. These are the kind of, this is the kind of information, this is kind of the knowledge, this is kind of the awareness that we're going to bring to you. And we've been through the, uh, we've been through it. Yeah. And we're giving you personal stories, not, or, and some things we've studied, sure, but things that we've uh, gone through. And we really do want to help. We do want to be a part of your success. And I'm very confident in that. And we're going to maybe tape something like a, a little commercial spot so you guys can, uh, a little more official. So we just okay. wanted to at least present that to you. So uh, as always, we hope you enjoyed our show. And Steve, any final words? 
No, but uh, I would like to add. I don't know if you remember. I always love to do that. I don't know if you remember. Remember the show MASH from the 70s? Sure. And they asked Wasn't them, a fan, but sure. It depended on what season. The early ones I, I liked, mean, later ones I liked. But, but there was one he's like, you have any questions? And the general says, no, but I would like to add. So <laughs> I just always thought that little scene was funny. But, uh, no, again, as always, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. We know you're busy. We appreciate your time. As always, we hope you get something out of it. Again, this is why we put these podcasts out there. We're not, any, we're not asking anything for the podcast. We just like the idea of going out there and helping folks. But if you're interested, go out to the website, crsmmedia.com. Get a hold of us if you're looking for speakers, if you're looking for consulting, if you're looking just for good old-fashioned advice. Hey, maybe you even think you have a story you'd like to share on one of the shows. Maybe you'd like to post your show and get some you know, publicity for it, some advertising. We will help you out. Again, we believe that a rising tide lifts all boats, exactly. and we would like to help you out. And, uh, you know, we appreciate working with you because, again, Cloud and I have been doing this a long time, and we will both tell you we're not where we're at if other people didn't help us. Yes, we have to work hard. Yes, we had to go through a lot. But at the, at the end of the day, every once in a while, someone's got to put a hand out there to help us because the waters do get a little rough. If you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know you know he didn't get there alone, and especially me with my parents put the turtle on top of the fence post. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.